You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Sided Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming later in the episode. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. The uh, the NBA playoffs rolled on. I want to talk about that later on the show today. We had a game three and a game two on Thursday night. So I'd like to cover um, those games, what happened, what went down, the players that played the best, and the performances that stood out from Thursday. I also want to talk here off the top in just a moment about a couple of quick news, newsy-related items, some coaching staff uh, rumors out there related to the Timberwolves. Of course, they will have a little bit of turnover in the coaching staff this offseason, so want to cover that. And then the NBA did release, um, according to Shams Sharania, teams were informed on Thursday afternoon of key dates for this upcoming season. It does appear as though the the season will be back on track. And I, I'm assuming that's partly influenced by the Olympics. So talk about some of those dates here in a minute. Um, and then I, I want to cover I, something I'm going to start doing this offseason, uh, you know, maybe one segment every couple of days is a statistic or metric that might surprise you, which is not a very fancy title of the segment. But I also can't guarantee it's going to surprise you, depending on how much you've listened to this podcast or how much, um, you know, how much you've dug into the stats this year from the Timberwolves. But I want to pull out a statistic or metric uh, as part of this segment that might surprise you about the Timberwolves season, usually related to, hey, did you know that this player actually had a better, you know, whatever assist rate than this player or, or uh, you know, things, things of that nature that, that are just kind of random but also then give some context as to why that might be and what that tells us about next year. So I'm going to do that uh, here in the middle of the show today, and uh, that'll be that'll be the episode today. So uh, a reminder off the top, as always, that you can listen to this podcast and follow this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple and Google, as well as Spotify, and, of course, the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, let's hit the news items first. Uh, first of all, Doogie, Darren Wolfson over at KSTP and Score North in the Twin Cities um, tweeted out that he had mentioned on a couple of his recent podcasts, which I admit I have not listened to, but the scoop with Doogie is is fantastic. So if you're, that's another good podcast, not a lockdown podcast, but a good Twin Cities sports podcast to subscribe to if you're a Twin Cities sports fan. But Doogie tweeted that he's mentioned on his podcast that the name Micah Nori is a name to look out for. He says here that he hears that Chris Finch and Micah Nori are close. They worked together in Denver. Nori was most recently in Detroit as an assistant to Dwayne Casey and worked more on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know much about Nori as a coach, but his track record, I, I guess the brief history on him is he was in Toronto as a scout for a long time, was promoted to assistant coach under Dwayne Casey there. Then went to Sacramento when there were changes in Toronto. Coach center Mike Malone in Sacramento. Malone brought him to Denver. He was in Denver for a couple of seasons and was actually the head coach of their summer league team. So obviously was seen as kind of a rising star in the coaching ranks. And then went to Detroit when Dwayne Casey got the job there and spent the last couple of seasons in Detroit. I haven't found if he was let go by the Pistons or not, um, but I, it I, it sounds like maybe he was if he's available to, to be in Minnesota. But um, so... 
a name to a name to look out for a name with with ties to other good coaches obviously and Mike Malone and Dwayne Casey are both fantastic coaches and uh obviously has the has the Finch connection from their time in Denver together under Mike Malone so um name to keep an eye on and it seems like the Wolves would have two coaching spots available after we found out that David Vanterpool is moving on and there was one of their coaching or one of their vacancy on the staff as well. Oh yeah, it was Brian Gates, uh, who's also not going to be with the Timberwolves next year. So there's at least one slot available on the bench that we know of, or sorry, at least two slots available on the bench and now one name that we know to potentially fill in there. Uh, the other quick kind of housekeeping type note here off the top is the is the dates for next season as noted by Sham Sharania. Um, the 21-22 NBA season training camp will start September 28th, which is pretty much right in line with what we'd seen every year, except for the 20 into the 21 season that's that's ongoing. Um, so training camp on September 28th, which which seems about right. Regular season starting October 19th. Playoffs start April 16th. Finals June 2nd of next year, and then uh, the finals concluding by June 19th. The draft June 23rd. So. This offseason's off by roughly a month, but it sounds like we'll we'll get back into a regular rhythm next year. It's only a little bit interesting because there'd been all those rumors that the league was considering this almost more of a year-round type schedule, trying to mirror the NFL in some ways and dominate the, the sports calendar for 12 months. But the Olympics, I think, these two threw threw a little bit of a wrench in that. And um, at this point, you know, this type of a schedule does seem to make sense. So it'd be good to see that get back to normal. Um all right. So what I want to do next, I want to hit uh, this one surprising stat or one stat that may surprise you related to the Timberwolves this season. And then finally today, I want to talk NBA playoffs before looking ahead to the weekend and next week. First, though, let's talk about our great friends at Michelob Ultra. And that means we're going to talk about the ultra moment of the season for the Timberwolves, actually. So my ultra moment for the season has to be, and, and I guess this says a lot about the season, but still, it would rank highly even if the Wolves had had a less disappointing year than than what we just witnessed. But Anthony Edwards' dunk over Yuta Watanabe earlier this year, I mean, for all, everything that that went into that, the joy, the happiness, the enjoyment, that's what this Michelob Ultra moment is all about. Edwards' pure joy when he, when he completed that play, his teammates' happiness and enjoyment of watching that play, and then what we saw on Twitter, what, what the fans were able to do afterwards with that. And this, and to have a, a Timberwolves dunk be a contender for dunk of the year, and a, really a finalist for dunk of the year, one of the two, probably two best dunks of the season, that hasn't happened since what Andrew Wiggins over Rudy Gobert like six years ago or something like that. Um, this was this was the embodiment of the Michelob Ultra moment. Uh, go check out tons of other exciting Ultra moments with hashtag Ultra Moment. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Anthony Edwards' dunk over Yuta Watanabe is this week's Michelob Ultra moment. All right, let's talk about a Timberwolf stat that might surprise you. If you're a regular listener or follower of this show, you know, dating back to this time last year, actually even earlier, because I mean, let's be honest, from March to whenever we didn't have anything, anything active happening for the Timberwolves to talk about. So I spent a lot of time on each player of the roster and I talked about how I thought Jared Vanderbilt had some serious upside was kind of the unsung acquisition of the trade with the Nuggets that brought Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez to Minnesota. And sure enough, Vanderbilt got minutes this year and when he did, he was fantastic 
fantastic by and large. Um, the Timberwolves were generally better with Jared Vanderbilt on the floor than with him off the floor. Uh, I want to get into his offseason and next year and, and the outlook there in a moment. But the stat I wanted to point out is that Jared Vanderbilt was actually second on this team in, in total rebound percentage and second only to Ed Davis, who played in just 23 games. And Ed Davis, all he did was rebound. I mean, he had a ridiculous 16% offensive rebound rate. Um, but Vanderbilt finished ahead of Carl Anthony Townsend rebound rate this season. He actually played more games than him. Of course, he played less minutes. But in 64 games, Jared Vanderbilt turned in a rebounding rate of 17.5%, which outpaced Towns' 17%, was behind Ed Davis's 20.8% in a really limited sample size. Fourth on the team was a distant fourth. That was Nas Reed at 12.9. And he started the year, as you may have heard, I harped on I harped on Reed's rebounded issues early in the season. When he moved to the four, those numbers came up. He was below 10% in single digits, middle of the pack on the roster in terms of rebound rate. Nas was for much of the season. But Jared Vanderbilt was consistent. 17.5% rebound rate is fantastic um, for a guy who is, frankly, an undersized four. And you look league-wide at rebound rate. I mean, the only guys that had better rebound rates than him, and, and again, Vanderbilt's rebound rate is relatively small still, and I get that. Even though it was 64 games, he didn't play that many minutes. But if he had qualified for rate stats, the only that would have been like 15th in the league. The only guys with with better rebound rates than him are names like, uh, I mean, Jokic, barely, he was at 17.8%. Bobby Portis, 17.9%. Damanis Sabonis. Ivica Zubats with the Clippers. Uh, Nikola Vucevic. Joel Embiid. Jared Allen. Mason Plumlee. DeAndre Ayton. Rudy Gobert. Jonas Valanciunas, Ennis Kanter, and Clint Capella are the only players that would have finished with a higher rebound rate than Jared Vanderbilt in the entire NBA if he'd played just a little bit more this season. So he's the real deal when it comes to defense and rebounding. We know that offensively his hands aren't great. We know he he doesn't have a jumper, and he basically is limited to offensive rebounding, which he does a fantastic job of. And, um, you know, kind of hanging out in the dunker spot. He does. He even really isn't even that successful with pick and roll big because of his limited skill set in terms of, of catching the ball. And we know that he can't pop. And so he's less of a threat there. But his athleticism, size, length, those things are all super helpful on the court. And it gives the Wolves a dynamic that I guess with Jade McDaniels, they now have, um, you know, in a in a in a more offensive minded skill set or, or higher offensive upside than Vanderbilt. But still, length and athleticism and true impact defensively and on the glass is something this team, this roster sorely lacked just over a year ago. And then Gerson Rosas, in short order, acquired both Vanderbilt and then drafted Jane McDaniels last offseason. So the Wolves are moving in the direction of of actually having more of that length and athleticism on the roster. And it really matters. These guys that can guard multiple positions, hold their own in terms of rebounding the ball and still add something offensively. And again, clearly, I'm not comparing Vanderbilt to McDaniels as players. McDaniels has a sky-high upside. Vanderbilt, I think, I think has borderline starter upside, but the offensive you know, ceiling there is a lot lower than Jade McDaniels. McDaniels still, I think, could become a star. That's a possible outcome for him. It's probably not a likely outcome, but it's a possible outcome. Vanderbilt, I, I don't think that that's in the realm of possibilities, but he could be a very strong, and I, I believe he is already a strong role player in the NBA, at the NBA level. And as a restricted free agent, I mean, it's really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what happens to him, what kind of interest there is on the on the open market for Jared, or not entirely open market, the restricted free agent market for Vanderbilt, and to what 
And would the Timberwolves go to matching any offers? I mean, he's still only 22. He just turned 22 in April. And he, I mean, again, is already a strong role player. His rebounding ability, his defensive ability, I think there will be interest in him. And the Timberwolves would have the ability to match offers, but they also would need to feel like they have a role. And with Jade McDaniels in the fold, with Juancho Hernan Gomez making $7 million this season, what is the role for Jared Vanderbilt? Is it energy guy off the bench who's who's kind of your um, you know, your backup four that can slide in and guard some threes and also play a little bit of five in small ball lineups if if you know Finch doesn't want to do that, but but if you end up in those situations against teams that want to play small, Vando can hold his own there. Because we saw good Jared Vanderbilt can wreak havoc on an opponent's offense and, and really bring some bring an edge to the table that the Timberwolves haven't had. So to what end do you go out there and try and keep Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I think it would be a priority for me, you know, not priority one a, but remember this is a team that's, that's hamstrung by the cap. They don't have any cap space. It's not like they have a bunch of, they need to add a little bit of shooting and they're going to go out and try and find a shooter. I'm sure. But Jared Vanderbilt is the kind of big that makes a ton of sense next to Carl Anthony towns because of all the reasons I've already listed. So if I'm the Timberwolves, I do what I can to bring Vando back. And it's maybe only a, you know, a 10, 14, 15 minute, a game role, probably off the bench, depending on matchups behind McDaniels, probably behind Wancho. Um, but the flexibility is something that you can't entirely look past. So if I'm the Timberwolves, I make Jared Vanderbilt something of a priority this offseason, and I'm matching any reasonable offer for him um, because he was just a solid all-around player. And and most players have some some level of limitations. And Vando's, the good Vando, is good enough and has a positive enough impact that you can look past some of the issues on offense as long as you use him properly. And we saw Chris Finch do that not only with Vanderbilt, but with Josh Akogi. They're not all that different in terms of their offensive skill sets. Akogi's a little bit of a better cutter because he's got better hands and he has the ability to knock down an open three, but you don't want him shooting threes. And defenses are happy to leave him open, just like Jared Vanderbilt's not going to shoot very many threes at all. Um, and you don't want him shooting threes. But defensively, Vanderbilt has a little bit of a, and certainly on the glass, has a little bit of a bigger impact, in my opinion, than Josh Akogi because of his switchability and and mostly because of his rebounding more than anything else. So um, all that to say, I, I think Finch could do a good job of hiding Vanderbilt within the offense. I think the energy, the defense, the rebounding he brings to the table is all, is all uh, you know, compelling enough that bringing him back on an energy type role off the bench, especially if Akogi and or Jarrett Culver end up being traded, I think that makes a ton of sense for the Timberwolves. Um, so we'll, we'll watch the Vando uh, free agency, certainly with bated breath this offseason. Okay, next I want to talk about the NBA playoffs from Thursday night. Look ahead to Friday and the weekend. First though, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's also talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. Hands down, tastes exactly like a candy bar. It is part of my daily routine. I eat one on my commute home from work. 
Built Bar has nine delicious flavors. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're all passionate about their favorites of the current flavors out there. Coconut is my favorite. Mint brownie is a close second. I love salted caramel. There's something for everyone. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, first of all, what are you waiting for? You need to. Second of all, you can get a mix box now. You get two of each of the nine flavors, gives you a great cross-section of, of every single Bilt Bar flavor that's available. And another thing they do is they'll release flavors for limited time only that are, and they're all fantastic. Every single one that I've tried, I love. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and just four grams net carbs. Go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. All right, let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Today on the road to the finals, Finals coverage, or excuse me, playoffs coverage, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, the first game on Thursday night was Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Obviously, Brooklyn had a 2-0 lead. James Harden's still not playing. And if Brooklyn had been able to win the first game in Milwaukee, go up 3-0, that would have been curtains for the Bucks. I mean, I guess anytime you're up 3-0, it basically is curtains for the opposing team or for the for the team that's down 3-0. But especially with James Harden not playing really at all in this series, uh, this thing would have been basically over. Milwaukee jumped out to a big lead, and, and that was to be expected. Of course, they were going to play. It was a full house in Milwaukee for the first time this year. They were 50% capacity, I think, in the first round. They had a full, uh, full arena of fans at, at Pfizer Forum. And the Bucks jumped out to a huge lead. They they led 30 to 11 after the first quarter. They held the Nets to 11 first quarter points, but Brooklyn roared back. They nearly flipped the script on the Bucks in the second quarter and were down by just a possession at halftime. And then as as the game got into the second half, Brooklyn kind of chipped away, hung around, and and this thing got ugly after after a really big offensive first half. I should say ugly in, in, in the sense of a lot of missed shots and, and not a lot of points, but the defense was good. This wasn't just simply a slog fest. This was also solid defense, playoff intensity, and shots just weren't falling from either team, and that made it maybe not as aesthetically pleasing, but it certainly is fun from a from a really from a boxing match type perspective where these teams are just kind of slugging each other back and forth. Um, for Brooklyn, they got 30 from Durant. He was fantastic and they didn't really get much from, I mean, Kyrie had a good game. He had 22. He didn't shoot the ball great from outside. Um, and Bruce Brown played a big role in this one, had 16 points, but it took him 17 shots to get there. And he had a couple of big shot attempts and, uh, and was featured prominently in the final couple of minutes of this game and, uh, did not, um, did not acquit himself well in the final minutes of this game, but finished with 16 and 11. Nonetheless, Joe Harris shot just one of 11. Blake Griffin was a non-factor, 5.6 rebounds in 30 minutes, only attempted five shots. The Nets only played eight guys. They really shortened the bench in this game. Of course, they're a little bit banged up. As for the Bucs, they got 33 and 14 from Giannis, 35 and 15 from Chris Middleton, but nobody else on the team scored more than nine points. In fact, only only six players scored for the Milwaukee Bucks. In the starting lineup, P.J. Tucker was great defensively uh, with his assignment on on Kevin Durant. Uh, was really, really good. Didn't score at all. He was 0-4 shooting, had just one rebound in 33 minutes because he was so encompassed with his role defensively. And, and that that's what he was asked to do. He actually had the best plus minus on the team. So I'm not, I'm not denigrating Tucker's performance. It's just shocking to me that he still managed to play 33 minutes and grab only one rebound, zero points. Um, Drew Holiday had only nine points, five assists, but again, a great defensive player. Nine points in 46 minutes. Brooke Lopez had three. Bobby Portis had four. And Pat Connaughton had two. Nobody else scored. 
So you're talking about two players in Giannis and Chris Middleton that combined for 68 of the Bucks, 86 points. That means that the other four players combined to score 18 points. And that was it. Nobody else scored for the Bucks in this game. Um, so that's fascinating. The fact that they ended up winning, clearly they're going to need to ride. And this is how the playoffs go, right? You ride your stars and then you need somebody to step up big. And in this case, it was they rode Giannis and Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday didn't didn't really bring much to the table, but PJ Tucker was fantastic defensively. Holiday was good defensively and they held on for the wing for the, or for the win, I should say for the nets. It was Durant and Irving and Bruce Brown for a good chunk of the game was solid and then wasn't able to get it done late. And, uh, and, and the nets just fell short. Still, if you're Brooklyn, they played so bad in the first quarter and obviously still no James Harden. You still, you have to feel good about losing this thing only by three points and being in it. Um, in Milwaukee, after I, if they hadn't taken that punch well in the first quarter, they were down 19 points 12 minutes into this game. They could have just packed it up and gone home and gotten ready for for game four, but they made this thing a contest. So if you're the Bucks, you still have to be pretty nervous, um, but you're also totally fine with winning ugly, obviously. The second game of the night was Clippers and Jazz, and Utah took a 2-0 lead in the series. Um, my pick, I should say, I sh- I'll remind everyone of my picks for each of these series as we go. My pick for the Brooklyn series was actually, uh, I took, I took Brooklyn in six. Um, and, and this makes it far more likely that we get there. Uh, the fact that the Bucks won this, this game, game three, I also picked Utah in seven in the West. They're now up two nothing after a six point win over the Clippers. This was a little bit of a back and forth game. The Jazz built a big lead at halftime, um, but the Clippers chipped away and, and made it a contest again late, which is which is kind of the the flip. Well, I don't know, not an exact flip of what we saw in game one, but um, game one was the Clippers got up big early, then the Jazz got up double digits and the Clippers chipped away in the fourth quarter. This game was really just the Jazz building lead the middle stages of the game and the Clippers taking the rest of the game to try and get back into it. And they never really could. Um, this was it was another good game, and and obviously, um, I expect this full series to be this way. The Clippers with I mean Kawhi Paul George was much better in this game. He had twenty one ten and six. Kawhi had twenty one points on seventeen shots. Reggie Jackson had twenty nine, um, and was really good. Hit four threes in this game. The Jazz. They got, of course, 37 from Donovan Mitchell. Again, he was fantastic. Joe Ingles looked more like the Joe Ingles from the regular season. 19 points, 4 of 7 shooting threes, 7 of 10 from the floor. Rudy Gobert had 13 and 20. And then I think, to me, maybe the biggest difference maker in this series, um, assuming Joe Ingles is regular Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell does what we expect, um, Jordan Clarkson, 24 points off the bench on 9 of 15 shooting, 6 of 9 on threes. And also Boyan Bogdanovich, have to shout out his defensive job that he did in this game, was really good defensively and still scored 16 points on eight shots, made three threes. So Utah had a really strong all-around game, and they still only managed to win by six. This is this is a fun series, um, and right now is, is right up there. I mean, I guess we're down only four series anyway, but certainly one of the more fun series to watch in my mind, a lot more, uh, shall we say offensive minded than, than Brooklyn and Milwaukee was to be sure. Uh, but that, that series will move on to a game three back at Staples. Of course, the Clippers were down two Oh to Dallas in the first round and obviously got back into things and, and got that to a game seven. So certainly not counting anybody out after two games anyway, but the Clippers, especially because they've, they've been through this already. Um, on Friday night, we'll get Philadelphia, Atlanta, uh, we found out that DeAndre Hunter's out for the rest of the playoffs. He had meniscus surgery, so he's out of commission, hasn't played in a while, but that was confirmed. So Philly and Atlanta at 6.30 on ESPN, 6.30 Central on Friday night, followed by Phoenix and Denver game three. Of course, Phoenix is up 2 nothing. That series moves back to Denver. I thought that would be the most compelling series, and I did pick Denver to win in seven. 
Um, I should say Philadelphia, Atlanta, I picked the Sixers in six in that series. So we'll see. I mean, obviously it goes without saying down 2-0 coming home. It's a must win for Denver. I think they'll pull this one out. Um, but I'd love for that series to be as compelling as I expected it to be. We have not seen that so far. Phoenix has really pretty much dominated the first couple of games. So those are the games for Friday night. We'll talk about the weekend action, any high points from the weekend. I'll definitely cover that on Monday's show. All right, that's all we have for you today here at Locked On Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe or follow this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Of course, that includes Apple as well as Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves and yours truly at at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Also, uh, Upcoming, the Locked On NBA Mock Draft 3.0. I've played the first two here on the feed, and I was not part of them. I will be part of it this time. The Timberwolves did, I don't want to tell you what pick, the Timberwolves landed in the top three of the lottery when we did the Tankathon simulation. So you will get a pick from yours truly as part of the upcoming um, Locked On NBA Mock Draft 3.0 that will air sometime next week. So stay tuned for that. Get excited. It's going to be a ton of fun to make a selection for the first time since, since uh, I guess, the last time we did this last year. So, um Otherwise, that's all we have for you today. A reminder that uh, Michelob Ultra was the title sponsor of today's show. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this playoff season and this road to the finals. Um, We'll be back on Monday, of course. This is a daily show. So we'll be back Monday. We'll talk about all the playoff action from the weekend and look ahead to the upcoming week. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.